37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 247. It's 108 degrees in Kansas. I hate mosquitoes. And with me, as always, is Preston. Presto, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm in the same boat. Um, we, uh, AT&T and Cox has been doing that, like, high-speed internet out in the boonies project, and so they've been, like, <laughs> going in and dropping down lines and stuff and so my the ditch around my like five acres now on like one side because of all the cabling and they screwed up the grade now floods and it's been so full of water and you think that the 108 degree temperature like we've had every single day would dry it out and it hasn't so it's (laughs) like one side of my property is a fucking swamp and like now i have like skeeters um and so i'm constantly outside like working and i'll yell skeeter got me and uh, (laughs) i just i just hate it like i'm ready for fall so yeah i bet so man i bet so it's pretty gross, but at least you got your internet back up and running. It's still going strong, so that's fantastic. Yeah, they actually fuckers came out and uh, trenched the line and uh, put it underground so I won't mow over it again, so that's good. So Fuck yeah, buddy. Hell yeah. And you went to a fantastic concert last night, huh? You popped your heavy metal cherry. Yeah, but you know, my 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 cousin is uh he's 50 and uh he's always been into heavy metal and you know and uh the the, the crowd of people to go with him these days is few and I said, you know what, I enjoy concerts. Anytime you want to go to a concert, hit me up. And so we went to the wave uh the wave last night and set up in the balcony. Uh I had a few beers and uh we experienced heavy metal together so look at that look at that yeah we went down to lawrence and caught frank turner the bronx and this really badass band from england called pet needs not too long ago and we actually got to see the bronx a few i think last year sometime at wave we got a pretty badass little concert venue here in wichita now yeah and the trains came by we're like (laughs) you know they were enjoying the heavy metal so look at that Well, this is a very special episode because we've got a special guest to discuss tonight's topic, hailing out of the Pacific Northwest, joining us as a listener of the show, a fellow artist, as well as a mystic toy-making wizard. It's the one and only Bob Drock. How are you, sir? Hey, I am excellent. It's great to be here. Yeah, hell yeah. It's good to finally talk to you guys. Yeah, instead of just messaging back and forth for the last several yeah, exactly. years. Hell yeah, man. Well, um, I I should say I, we are so stoked you're here, man. It's cool. Um, this episode's a little different because, A, we've got a guest. We haven't had a guest in years, but also we're doing Zoom. So I really hope that everything goes uh, squarely. I hope that the audio doesn't pick up my AC in the background because, like I said, it's like a hot box here. And technically, we've never really had a guest because Corey and Steve and all you know, Rob, they don't they don't count. So well, had your brother that one time. Yeah, Jason doesn't count either. So really, he's our first guest, and so that's <laughs> what makes this. Oh yeah, number one. 
Well, man, I got to ask first and foremost, what's it like living up there in Bigfoot's backyard? <laughs> well, uh, it mostly means that uh, you see Bigfoot everywhere, uh-huh. like <laughs> on products and stores. And right, stuff, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually live more like in the back alley or like outside of the yard. <laughs> Over- <laughs> Fair over in the mountains and all towards the coast, it's very foresty and stuff. We're up in the high desert. And so oh, from us, kind of all south and east, it becomes more desert. So we're just like, it's an hour drive over to the mountains. If I want to go up in the mountains and see cool rivers and streams. And right, right. Two hours over to the to Eugene, to a big city. Oh, yeah. Uh but yeah, we're more in the desert. The Bigfoot doesn't really hang out. It's just sagebrush <laughs> and dust. Right, right. Preston, what was that Bigfoot we talked about? I forget his name, but he was the one that was in the desert and carried a big club. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know, dog. Hey, that's I know that in the desert we have a uh, we in Arizona we covered the uh, the the red camel. So they were oh, yeah. bringing in camels into Arizona. And one of them like got loose or they just said, fuck it, this is not working out. So they just left them there. And then somehow some guy got tied to the back of one and like this camel basically <laughs> just like drug him around for years. And then yeah. this camel had the skeleton flopping around. So. Greatest story. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no shit. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I've been uh, wanting to get up there at some point to kind of visit and check it out. Uh, my buddy Seth was up there not too long ago with his fiance Q and they said that it'd be a paradise for us because there's Bigfoot, like you said, literally everywhere. Museums. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's everything. You can get it anywhere. You see it everywhere. Bigfoot <laughs> beverages delivers everything everywhere. No shit, man. Yeah, that sounds like a paradise. <laughs> now, back on episode 200, you sent in a story about a possible encounter that you and your wife may have had. What was that like? Yeah, that was uh, that was actually quite a few years ago on our honeymoon, and we were camping at a place called Willow Lake, and it's kind of by Crater Lake, which is south of us and definitely in the mountains up there, deep forested area, and uh, it was a really cool lake, beautiful lake. No one else was at the whole campsite. We kind of had the place to ourselves. It was our honeymoon. Uh, we were like, cool, this is our one night of our big trip, but we're actually just camping out in the woods and there's no one around. So we're going to get our drink on and party and, you know, and, uh, we didn't do that. (laughs) The (laughs) (laughs) The sun started going down and we were lighting a fire and we just ate dinner and, uh, all of a sudden there's like a ridge line of mountains ahead of us. And from the ridge line. We hear a scream, yell, like loud yell. And we both just got real quiet and I felt really weird in my chest. And we just uh, were like, we should just kind of hit the head. Hey, early tonight, get out of here, huh, babe? She's like, yeah, yeah, we definitely should. And like, couldn't sleep because it was early. And we weren't weren't planning on sleeping, and then I was freaked out, and uh, didn't really hear like that was it. Didn't see any evidence. Our camp wasn't torn up. I had crazy, vivid dreams of a Bigfoot peeking in the top of our tents. Oh man! 
but I'm 99% sure that was, I was asleep, but like, <laughs> there's that 1% chance. Yeah. I might not like, <laughs> might not have been, it's absolutely possible, but yeah, yeah, that was it. But, uh, when I heard recordings of, I compare it close to the Ohio howl. If anybody uh-huh. listens to Bigfoot stuff, I'm like, it was kind of like that. And I've listened to all sorts of stuff. I've listened to cougar screaming and they sound pretty nasty, but yeah, I'm like, no, that's not it. (laughs) But yeah, that was the extent of my possible Bigfoot encounters. (laughs) Right on, right on. Hey, we always leave that 1% chance. It was definitely a Bigfoot man, you know, especially where you guys are at. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of old Bigfoot, I believe that the Harry Cryptid is what first turned me onto your artwork. Um, You've done tons of paintings of Sasquatch and, a lot of different variations of all the different ones out there. And I've even got one of your Bigfoot soldier action figures you made a few years back. So what drew you into the wonderful vast world of paranormal and cryptids? Uh, Well, I've always been into it since I was a kid, always liked monsters and cryptids. And uh, it had to be some book first when I was really young, because my mom (laughs) took us to the library on a weekly thing. And I knew about Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and aliens since, like, before I can remember. That's you know what I mean? It's always been in my vernacular. And uh, at some point when I was a real young kid, Harry and the Hendersons, of course, came out. So there became a vivid image. Yeah. And, like, my... we were in California at the time, and my grandparents lived up here in Oregon. And so to come up here, you'd always have to drive through the woods for hours and hours. And I would just not sleep on the car ride. I'd spend the whole time looking out the window like, (laughs) oh, my God, he's going to be out here somewhere. And so as far back as I can remember, I've always kind of been really into the subject. Yeah. And then uh, like getting really into the scientificness of it and the possible options and all the different sightings and everything didn't really come about till the days of YouTube and podcasts and stuff. Right, right. So, it made everything I mean, so last, much more accessible. Exactly. Last five to ten <laughs> years or something, like getting more into all the different ideas that are in the Bigfoot umbrella. Right, right. Yeah, I especially really dig like the idea of portals and all that. And I think where I saw a lot of your artwork originally before you and I started talking, it was probably for those Anasau um, online contests. Our friends over at Anasau do this epic Bigfoot statue and you and I have gone through a lot of those um, drawing contests and you you featured some kind of mystic elements of Bigfoot in a lot of that artwork too. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Those are the most... uh amusing and the most fun to paint not necessarily the most realistic but (laughs) if they're an idea i'm like yeah definitely gotta throw that in there that looks great it's gonna be great if he's turning into a blue energy ball that's of course (laughs) what they do (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah. it figures i mean there's stories out there of ufos and bigfoots being you know featured in somebody's encounter and i have read about them turning into balls of energy and you know floating back to a ufo so yeah i always dug your interpretations of those quite a bit i've heard uh that they are essentially like mind control sentinels sent out of the ufos to like be a tool a utility device down on earth where whoever's occupying the ufo couldn't be in this sort of environment so 
if they need to do something or look at something, why not be something that can camouflage is super strong, super fast, can jump walls and do right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like the T one thousands, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) oh my god, that's insane and awesome. I love that idea. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, I agree. So as as I'm getting ready to ask my next question, I'm looking up on my shelf and I have these. The you remember the uh, troll dolls that were really popular back in like the nineties that had the crazy long hair. So I have a set of uh they're called wild hair creatures legends and lores like jersey devil cthulhu mothman um so you know sean and i you know we were both uh pop culture nerds collectors you know and like he said earlier we're all artists here so what's what's the big appeal for toys like what got you on to doing action figures and toys uh well i've always been a toy fan and like collector kind of in and out waves of collecting you know what I mean but I've always kept most of the ones from my childhood my parents ended up holding on to all the crates they had of Ninja Turtles (laughs) and uh, He-Man and stuff so I still have all those now so I've always been a fan of it and then uh, actually Anna Sal when they approached me to like paint a paint a Cause I was doing the portraits of Bigfoot. Yeah. They approached me to paint a portrait of the Epic Bigfoot. And I was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Cool. In, in trade for one. They're like, I can give oh, you yeah. one. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's awesome. So they kind of got me into the homemade resin figure stuff. And, oh wow. And then uh, another guy named extra truck Estriel. Mm-hmm did the same thing and he may he makes this big space sasquatch with a helmet and i've done other projects with him since but he posted a few videos of how he did it and they were like with lego molds and then you pour silicone in there and i'm like huh and got to thinking and i'm like that seems really fun to like do like i did when i was a kid and chop together gi joes and chop together different pieces and now that I can sculpt and dremel and stuff, like uh, <laughs> do whatever you want and then just mold it and make your own. I'm like, oh, that's that seems like so much fun. So I got into it and yeah, all kind of thanks to being into Bigfoot and people that did that being into Bigfoot and approaching me. And I was right. Like, oh, okay. This yeah, is you just made, yeah, you just yeah. made that t-shirt uh like what last week they said Bigfoot got yeah, me into yeah. <laughs> what's the phrase Bigfoot got me into bootleg toy making? Yeah, Bigfoot got me into bootleg toys. Yeah, that's so fucking awesome. Preston, you've done some resin casting as well. So you're kind of familiar, you're more familiar than I am with that. Yeah, I um like got a bug up my ass like two years ago, three years ago, and I was like on YouTube and I came across um uh, ace of clay who does a lot of like sculpty projects and then i start watching those videos and um you know i ever since college i haven't picked up you know any type of sculpting or ceramics and i just kind of got fried from doing painting like i just burned out because i'm like oh, i'm gonna paint i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and so that watching those videos kind of got my spark plugs going again to where i'm like fuck i'm, I'm gonna try this and then uh, I saw one of his videos where he did a bust of Krampus and he added, uh, you know, took yarn, pulled it apart to make like the beard and the hair, 
So then I'm like, yeah, I think I found my new hobby. Like I'm going to start <laughs> making, you know, a sculpty bust of cryptids. And um, <laughs> it went, it went well until like I left cramp Krampus out and I didn't tell the fiance. And then she got out of the shower and was like walking in the kitchen to make a cup of coffee. And then there's like <laughs> this fucking demonic bust. She's like, Oh my God, what the hell's that? And I'm like, that's what I was up till two o'clock in the morning working on last night, honey. <laughs> yeah i still That's haven't awesome. ever received that krampus yet either <laughs> yeah, no. but yeah exactly just something uh like like you i was doing a lot of painting all the time and then i saw this and i'm like this seems very fulfilling and uh you can make a bunch of them and sell them for a lot cheaper than selling a large painting that yeah. is you know and uh i can still do paintings for the card backs and still do art for the headers and still do all the computer stuff and it, it's sort of an outlet that i can mash together all of these things artistically that i like to do <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly i think it's so cool too like i've been on instagram for about four or five years and it's so rad to see like people i've followed the network is so huge and so small. Cause like you said, extra trick restrial, like I followed him and then I found your artwork and followed you. And then I realized you guys followed each other. And I just think it's so cool having all these artists that network and work together. And it's just one of those things of like, Holy crap, it's kind of a small world. And we're all just a bunch of these, you know, nerds. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a specific niche, but yeah, it's the, the, crypto horror alien nerd artists and like once it's definitely a, a circle on instagram and in all the social yeah. media like oh man that you're yeah, gonna run sure. into all the same people yeah <laughs> right right we're all just monster kids man growing up on 70s exactly. and 80s yeah, and monst- 90s horror. exactly yep. yep that's a good term for it yeah monster kids <laughs> well and i mean and there's a great example of that circle that's kind of why you know the three of us are here tonight on the show because you are getting ready to release can we go ahead and announce uh the new project you're dropping Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You got a brand new toy. Um, I was so thrilled and flattered to be a part of that project, man. Go ahead and talk a little bit about this new uh, new toy dropping soon. We got we're doing a drop bear from Australia. Horrible, crazy little critter that attacks people from the trees. And uh, I made, of course, a resin art figure of one out of some old pieces and uh then I contacted Sean and see to see if he was interested to do the artwork for the back. Cause I yeah. like doing collaborative work with everybody and getting in touch with more people in these circles and getting more exposure for both everybody in the circles. And I'm like, this should be really fun. Yeah. And I did definitely. one before for the mopping Wari which is another cryptid. Yeah. Preston and I, we haven't talked about that one yet. It's on the list of stuff. Oh man, they're great. (laughs) The ever growing list of stuff, but yeah, man, you've done um, quite a few cryptid creatures um, in your uh, arsenal there. Yeah. Quite a few. I've done mermaid, a couple of mermaids and the mopping wari and a gnome and bigfoots, different colors of bigfoots for an art show a while back, a shadow person. Oh shit! Yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so yeah, I like I like to ride uh, all of the 
weird crypto paranormal stuff and then come at it from the bootleg toy angle right right there's little snippets of like you said uh he-man and ninja turtles and everything else great in exactly those pieces. Yeah. one of my favorites i've seen is the kappa capitello you did of the yokai yep, the kappa. that, <laughs> that one was rad. a ton of work and i only sold a few of them but uh, <laughs> i really really like them they're the kappa is such a it's technically a yokai which I'm like, but all the descriptions, it sounds a lot more like a cryptid. It sounds like right. something that lives in the water and lives in the wood or, and hides down in under in caves under the river and stuff. Like that's not yeah. as ghostly and spooky as a lot of <laughs> other yokai. Yeah, he's a more <laughs> tangible thing. kind of critter than you know, yeah. some of the the you know, defuncted hand that wipes your butt in the outhouse and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> exactly. and the giant wall yeah, yeah. and all that. Or just the like conscious sandal that hops around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did that yokai episode uh a year or two ago, and Preston and I have talked, we gotta do another second yokai episode because just in that one post, like four or five dropped in that we had never heard about, like one of them, it's like a, a butt with an eyeball in the middle of it. And it just moves the, you and looks at your, you know, yeah. surprised face. <laughs> just to like <laughs> surprise you and scare you. Yeah. 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 For no other reason than just to be an asshole. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, it's funny because you asked about doing the drop bear and I didn't know a ton about it. And so just doing the research to see what it was we we're dealing with here. Um, you and I talked, I talked to Preston and the consensus was like, we should probably do an episode about this thing. It's a very unique type of creature with an interesting story. And, you know, it's got a lot of influence on pop culture. So that's what we're here for, man, to do a cryptid encounter about the old drop bear. That's awesome. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited to hear, uh, what you got what you dug up <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely a rabbit hole that's for sure man there's an age-old adage out there in the ether that everything in australia is out to kill you for the blue ringed octopus the box jellyfishes all kinds of snakes and spiders and especially the nasty paralysis tick but what if I told you guys, dear listeners, that there was something else hiding out there in the bush? Something with razor-sharp claws and bone-crushing teeth. Just hiding way up in the eucalyptus trees. Picture this, if you will. You're out on a much-needed vacation with your family or your friends in the outback. You decide it'd be a nice little hike out there in the bush, and it sounds just like the escape from reality that you need. And as you're trudging through the deep forest of lush vegetation, your earbuds are blaring some kind of Katy Perry or maybe Miley Cyrus into your ear holes. And you got your nose down and your eyes are focused on your cell phone screen, looking at the latest tweets or Instagram posts or whatever. But unbeknownst to you, up there in the tree, somewhere high, it's watching you, waiting for the perfect time to pounce or drop. And before your thumbs can stop mashing that like button fast enough to pull out your earphone, it's too late. A soft rustle of eucalyptus leaves gives way to terror from above. It drops down without notice, attaching itself to your shoulders with razor-sharp claws, all while gnashing at your neck or cracking your skull with its giant fangs. You should have stayed home. 
you should have stayed out of the outback. Welcome one and all to Pixelated Paranormals, Cryptid Encounters number 21, The Drop Bear. All right, Presto, why don't you set the scene for this bizarre beastie and tell us a little bit about these fellas. These weird little creatures are said to be four feet tall. That's, you know, 130 centimeters in height. Then they weigh about 260 pounds. It's like 130 kilograms. It's a big baby. So to put that in perspective, these are hefty little bastards. They're like really fat Ewoks. And uh, <laughs> they could just kill you by falling out of a tree. It's like having a sack of bricks fall on top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a killer koala cannonball then yeah and what's uh funny here is that obviously these things have their reputation for being uh rabid koalas on steroids but funnily enough koalas were originally thought of as being ferocious predators because the first encounters that european settlers had with koalas were actually from when the occasional koala would fall out of a tree landing on some unexpected adventurer's head which originally made people think that uh, they were just mean little jerks that jumped out of trees at people. And then, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier today. I'm like, well, you know, the problem is, is, you know, koalas have drip dick, like they have syphilis. And you're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like it's a known fact that koalas have syphilis. And we were like joking about it. And then you found the article that's like, no, they have chlamydia. And right. then I started to read the article and it's like, actually, it's like AIDS for koalas. And then I'm like, dude, I'm a fucking asshole. Like, I feel really bad that I made those jokes now, those poor little koalas. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting fact, whether it's syphilis or chlamydia, it's still a bizarre yeah. thing for them to have. But yeah, sadly, it's like you yeah. said, koala AIDS, man. It's a real bummer. Yeah, and in portions of the population, like everybody has it in different areas of the koala population. Like it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's just, it's astonishing. Like the eighth grader in me is just giggling because the word chlamydia, but like <laughs> yep. it's literally threatening like some of the population. Like now, luckily though, they can get antibiotics for these koalas. If they can get enough of them, they can get them cured and it no longer becomes an issue. But I mean, we're talking like uh, extreme UTIs, extreme reproductive canal infections, all sorts of nasty shit. So yeah, Preston, uh, <laughs> again, rabbit holes, right? <laughs> yeah. yep. Or koala holes anyway. Oh, so these little guys falling out of trees, hitting, you know, all these adventurers in the head, I guess it's just foreshadowing, perhaps. Yeah, because drop bears are said to jump on top of unsuspecting victims from treetops from as high as 28 feet up. That impact alone for one of these girthy little bastards doesn't kill you. The violent onslaught of teeth and razor sharp claws definitely will. Drop bears, similar to their cute and cuddly koala cousins, have hands that are very similar to humans and other primates. They have opposable thumbs meant for gripping tree branches and their prey. But what's really interesting here is they have two, that's right, count them, two opposable thumbs on each of their front hands or feet or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And they also have opposable thumbs on their back feet too because... Why not, Mother Nature? 
<laughs> so they can really latch onto their prey and hold on for dear life as they shred your ass to pieces with their razor-like claws. So the Thylarctos plumatus, a.k.a. drop bear, gets the scientific name from two Latin words, Thylarctos, meaning pouched bear, and plumatus, which means, you guessed it, to plummet or drop. And speaking of dropping, which is what they do on their prey, what exactly do these stout little arboreal killing machines eat? Well, surprisingly enough, the website for the world-famous Australian Museum has an official write-up on the drop bear, published recently here, April 21st, 2022, and the diet is listed as thus. Stories of kill sites and examination of scat suggest mainly medium to large species of mammal, which make up the substantial portion of this animal's diet. Often, prey such as macropods are larger than the drop bear itself. Drop bear supposedly hunt by ambushing ground-dwelling animals from above, waiting for as much as four hours to make a surprise kill. Once the prey is in view, the drop bear will make as much as eight meter jumps to pounce on top of the unsuspecting victims. An initial impact often stuns the prey alone, allowing it to then be bitten on the neck and quickly subdued. If the prey is small enough, a drop bear will then haul the carcass up into a tree to finish feeding without harassment from other local predators. But it's said that one specific prey stands out from the rest of the drop bear's list of victims, local tourists. That's right, it's actually the pesky tourist that the drop bear has his taste buds set on, and it's said it's especially fond of blondes. <laughs> now, Presto and Drock, I can already hear what you guys are thinking, and the same thing as our listeners. Maybe even perhaps they're yelling at their phones and car radios. You idiots, drop bears aren't even real. They're just a silly little April Fool's joke or even a fun little hoax created by Australians who are just annoyed at American tourists for fooling around with the beloved koala. This is just like that time you dopes talked about the rake as a supposed cryptid encounter and some guy on YouTube really busted our balls about it being a creepypasta. <sighs> Spoiler alert, we knew. Well, to learn about whether the drop bear is real or not, we gotta know where it came from. Now, the drop bear legend doesn't appear to have been sparked by any particular pop culture film, but perhaps the Australian Boy Scout might be responsible for the induction of him into popular culture. Because a former Boy Scout recounts, When you're out camping, the old drop bear was used when they didn't want you to leave the campgrounds too far. The drop bear will get you. And surprise, surprise, folks, we are not going to patronize anybody by faking an Australian accent. You're just going to get our redneck accents. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just sound like, oh, man, what was that character uh, Stephen used to always do? I forgot what it's called. Proving an Australian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not today. Well, according to the National Library of Australia, the first appearance of a drop bear in Australian newspapers is an innocuous listing in the Canberra Times, a newspaper, in 1982. The listing said, T-A-M, beware of drop bears in the future. For sure, totally love Clint. 
Now, this strange message was listed in the 21st birthday column. It's not clear, though, who T.A.M. is or who Clint was, but that might be one of the first times the name popped into a newspaper in Australia. Now, some can trace the legend of the drop bear back to a sketch by the legendary Australian comedian and actor Paul Hogan, of course, best known as Crocodile Dundee. On his show, The Paul Hogan Show, which aired back in the 70s and part of the 80s, during one scene, Hogan is playing a parody of Indiana Jones called Kudamundra Hodges, who's exploring the fictional Valley of Goanas when he is attacked by similar koalas. The koalas leap from trees and begin savaging Hogan, who then falls to the ground, covered by the savage koalas. But it also seems that in addition to the Boy Scouts, perhaps the Australian Army also got in on this joke. Because when visiting soldiers came from the UK and the US to do exercises in the Australian bush, and they'd ask about how to avoid the obvious, you know, famously dangerous snakes and spiders. Well, the Australians would reply, forget the snakes and spiders. It's the drop bear that you got to look out for. And then the Aussie soldiers would tell visiting soldiers the only way to keep the drop bear away was, of course, to smear the Australian condiment famously known as Vegemite across their faces. Invariably, Aussie soldiers would chuck the visiting soldier a jar of Vegemite, and it would take them a few days to catch on that their Vegemite on their faces wasn't going to do a damn thing. And then from there, you fast forward to the last few years and the drop bear is all over pop culture as well as being featured on common travel websites. What if I told you guys, though, just like most cryptids, this supposed fake might actually be based more on fact than you might realize. You see, many, 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 many years ago, the original Aboriginal tribes had tales of strange bear-like creatures that would prowl the treetops, jumping down to grab their prey, only to scurry back up into a tree while dragging away a helpless screaming child or another victim, up into the treetops, covered in leaves, never to be seen again. The creature was also known to be a pouched marsupial, whose head was kind of like a dog or a cat, and it sported large bone-crushing jaws, jaggedly sharp teeth. But what's odd here is the creature also has opposable thumbs that it could use to grip tree limbs to climb up a tree with ease, similar to that of the koala. Now again, from the Australian Museum's website, Thylacolio carnifax is also the largest member of the marsupial lion group, with distinguishing features including large cheek teeth, which is a third premolar, that's formed long shearing blades in the beast's mouth. These were developed at the expense of posterior molar teeth that were either reduced in size or just absent due to evolution. This giant marsupial lion had a wide, heavy, short-snouted skull with a bony bar, aka post-orbital bar, as in primates that sits behind the orbits. It has the longest shearing tooth of the thylacanoid as all, oh, Jesus, my dog's really snoring. <laughs> thylacanoids, as well as a large serrated canine-like upper incisor and horizontally orientated lower incisors, which replaced the canine's teeth found in other carnivorous animals. It also had an enlarged thumb claw encased in a sheath, just like you find in other cats 
which would have been unsheathed to disembowel its prey. So we're talking about a cat with human hands and freaking, you know, Wolverine claws <laughs> come out of its arm. Crazy teeth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightmare fuel for sure. Oh my god. The limb proportions of this supposed marsupial lion suggest it was cursorial, adapted for running, but the animal itself was not swift. The four limb proportions are similar to those of some arboreal animals found in trees. Its clawed forelimb may have been used to reach out and bring food towards its mouth like a hand. The pseudo-opposable thumb suggests that this creature may have also been at least partially adapted for climbing. Western Australian and Tasmanian specimens are smaller than Eastern Australian specimens. The weight of this animal specifically estimated to range upwards of 200 to even 300 pounds. Again, that's a big baby. Yeah. What's great about this especially nasty beast is that it was recorded on rock paintings and other artwork as well-known monsters that would prey on its victims from trees. So it could be that the drop bear might actually be something more than just a rabid oversized koala with, you know, syphilis and a taste for human (laughs) flesh instead of being some kind of anti-tourist propaganda could the drop bear simply be a further evolution of a creature that stalked the treetops from centuries ago that still haunts the treetops today yeah just a uh, a society an idea that stuck around since those things were around like because that's terrifying and uh yeah, hunting out of the trees. I mean, American cougars do that. Will hide in branches above people, or prey, but people too. My brother's a security guard, and a guy that he works with saw a cougar. They work out at a resort way out in the desert here. Saw a cougar hanging out in a tree, watching the walkway that he walks along. And Jesus, he man! Didn't yeah? He left and decided to not do that chunk of his patrol <laughs> <laughs> yep just check the box and keep going yep <laughs> yeah here in kansas uh here in kansas we have problems with mountain lions all of a sudden coming yeah. up really i mean out of nowhere and a lot of people who hike you know the mass hysteria spreads but a lot of people who hike think that they may have encountered one and like you said you don't see it until it comes up behind you like that's just how they yeah. stalk well, and they they love to hide and will hide until they can pounce, just like any cat. Yeah, yeah, just like a house cat. Man, my yeah. my cat Sully always trolls our dog all the time, yeah. and that's what he does. He hides behind something and thinks he's invisible, and his big old butt just wags back and forth <laughs> until he pounces. Yeah. And what's weird? But that's too, really is like, interesting. Yeah, for sure. And like the gorilla. Back when people talked about gorillas, nobody in Europe and other countries believed that gorillas were really an animal until they found bones. And then you realize like, oh, yeah, like those things can be in the wild and nobody knows. And there's all sorts of things that we thought were extinct that all of a sudden just come back, like the Tasmanian devil and some of this other stuff, especially in Australia. We had no idea it wasn't actually extinct. It was just hiding or the population had just dwindled way down. Oh, yeah. Or things that the natives native populations are like yeah it's definitely out there and everyone's like no it's just a monster that they talk about that later get proved real like the gorilla like yeah yeah Yeah, exactly like the little bigfoot in vietnam you know we we talked about when my dad was over there and he blew up a bunch of bigfoots and the you know the 
village elders are like, oh yeah, those are the ugly people. Don't worry about them. And then, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we talked about how like the, you know, the Marines and they got their asses kicked by these hairy monkeys that were throwing wooden spears at them. And everybody's like, yeah, we're just not going to put that on the reports anymore. We're just, we're not going to talk about that. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah. But, yeah. But the local population's like, yeah, they're absolutely out there. Of course. Yeah. Oh man. It's just like the, the, uh, Orang Pendic. The local yeah. populations, like, yeah, they're out there. There's, yeah. of course, there's those ones. They're the forest people that look like orangutans and walk on the ground. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, to them, it's just a thing that's out there. And to us, we're like, there's no way. But yeah, that's that's the crazy thing about just having these different folklore and all these different, you know, cultures. Um, the teak balang that would, it was like that weird fucking horse monster that would pull you out of your house and drag you into the forest and tickle you to death. Uh, one of my one of my dear friends, one of my favorite people in this whole world, um, she's from the Philippines. And I told her and she just gets stone faced and she's like, yeah, that's a thing. Like my family encountered it. They didn't see it, but they heard weird noises and they got disorientated. So they took their shirts off, put them on backwards. Next thing you know, like they found their way out of the forest. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even tell her that part of the story. I'm just like, hey, you ever heard of this horse headed spirit? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. These aren't just really, you know. <laughs> tales to keep you in line some of this stuff is legit well just like these other stories we talked about after all this you might be wondering how exactly you can protect yourself from such a vicious creature like a drop bear well have no fear dear listeners because there are a few precautions you can take some people suggest remedies to repel the drop bear include putting forks in your hair to protect yourself in case it would pounce and land on the fork and then run away. Also, spreading Vegemite or toothpaste behind your ears is often suggested to those visiting the bush before going on hikes. Also, those who aren't native to Australia may be coerced into talking with a fake Australian accent to throw off the scent of the drop bear. See, the drop bear is used to Australians. But if they hear your English or British accent, they instantly know the prey is underneath. And if you have a fair warning the drop bear is nearby, then the appropriate thing to do is immediately stop, drop, and then roll around on the ground. Some people say if you roll around and land on your back and look up in a tree, to hawk a loogie straight up at the air. And if the drop bear is above, he'll hawk one back down on top of you. <laughs> wow. That's just mean. <laughs> I wonder if it's like if they're like, was it like black bears where like if you punch them in the face? They're like, nope, fuck this, I'm out. So yeah, maybe you yeah. just need to like punch up, you know, practice <laughs> Mario punch up. Yeah. <laughs> well, possibly one of the best ways to protect yeah. yourself from a drop bear is to wear a motorcycle helmet and also football pads. <laughs> See, now that just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that just makes good sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're here to talk about koalas and drop bears, how about we finish things off with some fun facts about koalas? Well, first off, I think we all know this. These little dudes aren't bears at all. Koalas are not bears, but instead marsupials, part of the pouched marsupial group. And yeah, yeah, everybody knows that. But did you know koalas can run 18 miles an hour? I did not. That's that's scary. Yeah, it is. That's actually faster than a lot of humans can run. Typically, humans average between 8 to 15 miles an hour, depending on the shape they're in. 
I am probably closer to that eight miles. Yeah, I'm yeah, go, yeah, I'm yeah, say four. yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I'm like closer to like five, so I'm <laughs> there. You go. Oh, I, I am currently more drop bear shaped. <laughs> <laughs> koalas and let's just assume here that all these facts go for drop bears too have specially evolved butts that's right their butts have especially evolved with a curved spine and thick pads of cartilage that allow them to sit in treetops and on tree limbs for extended periods of time and speaking of butts drock my dude did you know that after they've been weaned off milk young koalas better known as joeys actually eat their mom's fecal matter before they switch to eating leaves on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't I did. know that. I did. <laughs> I was debating whether to bring it up or not, but yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we are no strangers to talking about poop on this show, man. <laughs> yeah, it's called PAP, P-A-P. And that's also, yeah. all jokes aside, how they can spread the chlamydia from mother to Joey is through See, yep, it's all attached. But they can't eat the eucalyptus leaves unless they get the bacteria from it. Yep. And yep. so. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that was my next note. <laughs> yeah. While it may seem gross, koalas aren't the only species that do this. Pandas, hippos, and even elephants are known for doing the same practice. There's some science behind it, of course, consuming their mother's waste allows for the young mammal to develop strong gut bacteria that allows them to digest other alien vegetables and food in the future, like you said, eucalyptus. Yeah. Another weird fact, too, everybody thinks that koalas are always stoned off their asses because they're just so, you know, easygoing and slow moving. And there is the, um, I guess you say, old wives tale that the eucalyptus actually has poison in it that causes the koalas to get stoned. But from what I was reading, actually, they're just super chill because the eucalyptus leaves and other vegetation they eat don't have a whole lot of caloric intake. So naturally, they're just conserving energy because they don't eat a lot of high calorie food. So kind of like my dog, Luna, she walks really slow until you scare her. Then they can hit that 18 miles an hour like it's nobody's business. <laughs> when you were uh, mentioning their specialized butt, I'm like, they're not the only marsupial with a very special butt. Really? Yeah. The wombat is the only animal on the planet that makes cube poops. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that, but I totally <laughs> forgot that. Um, that's right. Yeah, little cube poops. Well, damn. Well, Presto, my next note, of course, was speaking of gross facts, Presto, buddy, go ahead, lay it on us, chlamydia. But we already hit that note at the top. Yeah, we already hit that. You <laughs> so, really set yeah. the mood. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, poor guys. But at least there's hope through antibiotics. And, you know, in the back of my mind, when I'm like, oh, shit, chlamydia, like, is there, like, weird koala orgies going on out there? Like, they're just they're fucking could be. hitting it and going to town. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when everybody's just hanging out up in the trees, just eating yeah. leaves, you know, you don't got a lot to do. It's party yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. They sleep like 20 hours a day. I mean, the mother four hours, it's just bang, bang, bang. Exactly. <laughs> the tree talks are rocking. Don't come and knock. <laughs> well, just like the drop bear, there are some other really great lesser known or in some cases, well-known creatures out there that may or may not not just be hoaxes so we think we'll close things off here with a couple well-known hoax cryptids now exactly like it sounds you have the tree octopus it's an octopus that lives in trees it was purportedly able to live both on land and in water and was said to live in the olympic national forest and nearby rivers spawning into water where it lays its eggs 
Its major predator is said to be the Sasquatch. So yeah, we have an amphibious squid that might live in the treetops, also said to be predominantly an organ as well, dude. So keep your eyes out. Of Definitely course. Show, man. I would, yeah, I'd love to see one of those. <laughs> yeah. Hey, now, you know, on car rides, just uh, keep your eyes peeled, man. You know, <laughs> what are you looking for? Tree squids? <laughs> of course, here in the U.S., we have the infamous jackalope. This creature is described to be a jackrabbit with antelope horns. This thing basically came about in the 1930s. Douglas Herrick and his brother, both hunters and taxidermy um, artists, popularized the American jackalope by grafting deer antlers onto a jackrabbit carcass and then selling tons of these things to a local hotel in Douglas, Wyoming. Thereafter, they made and sold many similar jackalopes to retailer outlets in South Dakota, and other taxidermists continued to manufacture the horned rabbit all the way and through the 21st century. Stuffed and mounted jackalopes are found in many bars and other places among the U.S. And if you guys remember, uh, we've mentioned several times now, the state of Washington was trying to pass a law to make Bigfoot the official state cryptid. Well, lo and behold, they weren't the first to have a national state cryptid. Back in 2005, the legislature in Wyoming considered a bill to make the jackalope the state's official mythological creature. Now, the law passed in the House 45 to 12, a huge margin, but the session ended before the Senate could take up the bill, so it died. In 2013, following the death of the bill's sponsor, Dave Edwards, the state legislature reintroduced the bill. It again passed in the House, but died in the Rules Committee of the Senate. In 2015, three state representatives put forth the jackalope proposal again, this time as a House Bill 66. But again, it passed in the House and died in the Senate. Fucking Senate. They are oh a bunch of fucking God. fun sponges, man. Just ruining everything. Yeah. One of the co-sponsors, Dan Zwanitzer, said... I'll keep bringing it back until it passes. Hell yeah, Dan, that's the spirit. <laughs> now, also, we have the hoop snake, uh, one of my favorites. This thing's just fucking bizarre. According to folklore, the distinguishing feature of a hoop snake is that it can go grasp its tail in its jaw and roll around its prey, much like a wheel or a hula hoop, which is similar to the Ouroboros in Greek mythology or the word I'm going to butcher in Japanese, the Suchaniko. In one version of the myth, the snake straightens out the last second, skewering its victim with its venomous tail. The only escape is to hide behind a tree, which receives the deadly blow instead, promptly dying from the poison. This thing can kill trees. I didn't know that. But what's interesting enough here is that with the purported sighting still occasionally happening today, but no proof ever being put forward, a naturalist named Raymond Dittmars placed a $10,000 trust in a New York bank for the first person to provide evidence of a living hoop snake. So, boys, we got ourselves a project. <laughs> We're going to go find it's, that hoop snake. Some people think that uh, it's actually sightings of regular snakes because sometimes snakes like dogs will catch their tail out of the corner oh, wow. of their eye and not recognize it as their own <laughs> and start eating it. And no some doubt. of them, they can't stop because it's already past their teeth or they Oh, head. yeah, yeah. I never thought of that. <laughs> so they get stuck and they're freaking out. And so it's possible somebody has seen a snake 
do something like that, but it was probably not attacking anyone. Interesting. I did read that a lot of times the sidewinder snake is, you know, sometimes reported to be a hoop snake, but that makes a lot more sense now that you say that, because I know a lot of snakes do have those backward facing barbs in their throats and little teeth. So yeah, it makes total sense. You can't get your tail out of your mouth. Holy cow. Yeah. I heard the sidewinder thing too. Like that they'll get up enough momentum and then hop up like a wheel. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but I mean, you know, yeah, for the evolution. most part, I think it's, I think it's one of those wild West tales. Those are, those are great. <laughs> yeah. From old coal miners. <laughs> exactly. Well, do either of you guys, we got seven minutes. Either of you guys have any more uh, bizarre cryptids you want to throw in here? Uh, no, I mean, the, one of my favorites of the, uh, the old West cryptids, like the hoop snake and stuff's the slide rock bolter, the giant, whale like yes. thing that lives on top of mountains and will take out miners yeah i've either read about it or we might have talked about it years ago but yeah in colorado i think is where that thing was predominantly yeah found. yeah 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 presto you got anything buddy you not uh, anything that i could get through in six minutes but uh, <laughs> I think one episode we should do uh you know now that we talked about like hoop snakes and uh uh, the Mongolian death worm. Um, there's Ooh, like a yeah. lot of shit about that. And that, I think that's worth doing a whole episode just on that. That's another life. great one. They're, they're all kind of in the lines of the uh, the cautionary cryptid. They're like, yeah. I'm going to tell you about it to keep you out of danger, to keep you out of the woods there. Yeah. Some of them are probably based on real stomach stuff, though. Most of them probably based on something real. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody saw something. <laughs> a gorilla. <laughs> Baba Drock, thanks man so much for joining us on this episode it's been an absolute blast to have you on um, I hope you will come back again sometime yes most definitely anytime it's actually it's been really fun talking yeah, to you guys dude. and doing this stuff yeah Hell so yeah. Uh, yeah and thank you again for doing the art by the time people hear the episode uh, at least shortly right around there they should be able to go to drocktoyandnovelty.com and pick one up Hell yeah, man. Yeah. And thanks again for asking me, dude. Again, I was so stoked to be a part of it. Uh, it's a fun project. Uh, it turned out super great. So couldn't be happier. Go ahead. Uh, again, plug your website, plug your Instagram and whatever else you want to plug, man. Oh, yeah. And Instagram, it's uh, Baba Drock, Baba, B-A-B-A underscore D-R-O-C. And uh, the website is drocktoyandnovelty.com. The website is spelled D-R-A-W-K. <laughs> you don't google yourself much i bet <laughs> it's to make i don't know to make yeah. sure everybody pronounces it right if you spell it two different ways yeah yeah there you go there you go and for us please if you're on the old instagram check us out at pxl paranormal on facebook we are the pixelated paranormal podcast presto any news about youtube yeah, we're at finally up to like 191, so all my bitching and moaning has uh, done good. So I'm going to bitch and moan some more. Get your asses over to YouTube. Like, subscribe, share. Come on, let's hit 200, baby. Boom shakalaka. I like it. And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if uh, maybe you're a koala bear with syphilis and you want to up your game, you should go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA. For 20% off your order and pick yourself up some scents like bay rum, sweet tobacco, fresh citrus, mint, and classic. And who knows, a little bit of mint in the beard could stop the drop there. And uh, you'll thank old Dobbs for it. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, there you go. And also in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. Otherwise, I think it just about does it again. Dude, thanks so much for joining us. It's been awesome. Um, Zoom, I guess Zoom is going to work just fine to do these interviews. So yeah, yeah, as long as it sounds good, it works. It works for me. So, but oh yeah, yeah, I'll cut that little bit out. But yeah, I checked the yeah. audio. Uh, it turned out fine. Everybody sounds great. So oh yeah, thanks for being a guinea pig too. <laughs> awesome. Anytime. Hell yeah! All right. Well, until next time. Cheers to the weird shit in the world, and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky Cheers. and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.